There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into the Thursday edition of the podcast. And we are still here in Linden, Vermont, and in the midst of the services. We certainly thank the Lord for the services here. Thank the Lord for the church, the folks having us in. And uh, pray for us this weekend. We'll be at a new church. I met with Drew Merrill back, I guess it's been probably at least 10 years ago, and met him for the first time. He was right out of Bible college, getting ready to plant a church in Rhode Island. Our paths crossed at the height of COVID. And uh, we're going to be there in Warwick, Rhode Island, all day on Sunday through Narragansett Bay Baptist Church. Looking forward to what the Lord's going to do there. So please pray for those services. Pray for us as we travel next week. But on this Thursday edition of the podcast, we'll be back in Job 31. And we've been speaking this as the literal. We've been preaching this as the literal. We've preached this with understanding that you and I can grasp. Because he's speaking of this maid. He's speaking of women. He's speaking of uh, being deceived by the heart. And so I want to go back to verse 9 and begin there. We left off the podcast yesterday at verse 9. But Job 31 and verse 9, he says, If mine heart have been deceived by a woman, or if I have laid wait at my neighbor's door, then let my wife grind unto another, and let others bow down unto her. Now, if my heart's been deceived by a woman, and it's interesting, in verse 6 of Proverbs 7, he says, For at the window of my house I looked through my casement and beheld among the simple ones, I discerned among the youths a young man void of understanding. What does that mean? He's been deceived by a woman. Passing through the street near her corner, and he went to the way to her house in the twilight, in the evening, the black and dark night. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of an harlot, and the word of God says there, and subtle of heart. She doesn't announce her intention. She's subtle. The beast of the field is more subtle. Who is that? It's the serpent. He's more subtle than any other beast of the field. It's the devil. We know that. And we also then we see that not only is this woman more subtle, but Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, and he was a subtle man. And so this woman is also subtle, S-U-B-T-I-L. She doesn't announce what she's doing, but she's drawn that young man, that youth. He's void of understanding. She's in the attire of a harlot, so we ought to know she's a harlot. And I believe that what that denotes there is that he is willfully, deliberately going. And how many times have men have been snared in that deceit by willfully going. They play with fire. They put that snake in the car. They think it's not going to bite them. And they play with that rattlesnake going down the road. And all of a sudden, they're in misery. And all of a sudden, they're in angst. They're in danger of their life. But yet, they said they didn't think what happened to them. But somewhere deep in their conscience, they knew they were going to be in trouble. They knew there was going to be a problem. But they went down anyway. And he's void of understanding. He sees her attire. But he does not see the subtlety of her heart does not understand that that lady is laying wait for him. She's going to destroy him. 
There are godless women in this world. They'll tell you what you want to hear. They'll bat the eyes at you. They'll wink at you. They'll tell you all these vile affections. I've had preachers tell me stories of women who flat out proposition them, have told them vile things. I've had women myself who have done vile things in churches, just trying to get attention, trying to get a response. And my friend, we live in a day when women are just as wicked as men. They're just as vile as men. But that is no excuse for your heart to be deceived. If your heart's been deceived, it's because you followed your eyes. You looked, and that look led to lust. And that lust brings sin. What does sin do? It brings death. Every time, that's the order. That's what God's order is. And so many men have fallen. So many women have fallen with this lust. A man uses his words, not not the eyes, not the lust of the eyes. He used that pride of life. And he'll come there and he'll speak with the words. And he'll tell them what they want to hear. And he'll tell them what they like to hear. And he'll use those. And he'll talk about his wife. And I've seen it so many times in the workplace. Complain about his wife. She complains about her husband. And all they're doing is putting a flag out. All they're doing is marking themselves that others can see them. And then everybody knows they're on the market. Everybody knows they're available. They can go do their wickedness uninterrupted. Let this not be us. Let this not be you listening. Let this not be these young girls and young men listening to this podcast. And he goes on, he says, or if I have laid wait at my neighbor's door, and there's so many laying wait at the neighbor's door, waiting for that goodman of the house to depart on the trip and waiting for that goodman. That's what this lady did right here. Uh, He was gone. And she said, come into me. We'll fill our night with love. And he was her solace, and oh, he just waited till the goodman of the house was gone. And so many, all these business trips and all these people so snared in the deceit and, and the adulteries abound. In the workplace, adulteries abound. In churches, adulteries abound. That's the warning of this. That's what Job is speaking of. He's warning us. He's telling us this is the problem. And I realize there's more to it. There's a deeper level. We're not going to preach that. We're preaching this level right here because this is the one that's probably going to hit home with the most people. And if you're willing to listen, if you know somebody's got problems, tell them. Listen to the last two podcasts, this one and then one yesterday. You got somebody that's in deceit, somebody in pornography, somebody in a relationship, somebody starting a relationship. God forbid a young man start a relationship with his eyes. And I realize he's going to be attracted to a girl that he likes. He's not going to be attracted to an ugly girl. She's not going to be attracted to an ugly guy. God is going to give them an attraction one to another. They're going to have a physical attraction, but that's not what you build a relationship on. Yet these women today, and I'm talking about in churches, uh, they, they design their hairstyles to look like the uh, women of ill repute. They design their clothing. They call it modest, but it's just designed to look like a woman of ill repute. I go in places, they look like circus clowns. They got so many bangles and bingles and blingles and blangles and ankle bracelets and toe rings and rings all over the place and just cover themselves and adorn themselves and all these things. And they look like a, the, the, a goofball in the streets. Women in the streets don't even dress in that kind of attire. But they, all it is is just advertising. They're just saying, hey, I'm available. Hey, look at me. Hey, pay attention to me. Maybe if I clang enough walking, somebody will look at me. And what a snare that is to a lady. What a snare that is to try to catch a man's attention because of her physical appearance, because one day she's not going to have her physical appearance. And then she's going to have to spend her life in, in parlors and tanning beds and at the doctor's office and getting surgeries and facelifts and trying to alter her appearance. Then she's going to look like an absolute idiot because she's completely modified her appearance. You look at her yearbook picture, you're going, who's this? And it doesn't look at all like her. And yet there's so many in that snare, all because of the lust of the flesh. And so he says, then let my wife grind unto another, let others bow down upon her. If I've done this, let them come unto my wife and take her. For this is an heinous crime. Yet it is an iniquity 
to be punished by the judges. That heart being deceived by a woman, he says to be punished by the judges. What is that punishment? Well, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. There's no Old Testament offering for adultery. There's no Old Testament offering. That's why David threw himself at the mercies of the Lord. That's why David said, a broken spirit, a broken contrite heart, thou wilt not despise. He had no sacrifice to go to the altar with. But I've said for years, who's going to go kill David? Who's going to go execute David for adultery? He's the king. Nobody's going to touch David. They're scared of David. He's the king. He rules over them. And yet he got himself in a mess. And yet God got him out of that mess. But he paid a price. That sword never departed his house. Adonijah died. Absalom died. Amnon died. And my friend, the baby in the womb died. That sword continued in this house. Why? Because David's adultery. And yet the whole world knows of David's adultery. It wasn't kept secret. It wasn't done in secret. It wasn't kept secret. One of the greatest things that can happen to you is if you're in adultery. If you're in a fornication relation, one of the greatest things that happen to you, if you're a child of God, and it can happen to a child of God. And if it, you are in that situation, it, it become public. It'll be made known that you might bear the shame of it. Maybe the shame alone will drive you apart. Maybe the shame alone will come in and, and absolutely rend you where you realize, oh my goodness, what I've done, and the horror comes upon you. The church discipline you be a great thing. And yet there's people listening to this podcast. You've given yourselves to these things, and you've been a part of these things. And it hasn't necessarily been with your physical body. It might have just been with your eyes and your phone. It might have just been with that trying to get attention. And God forbid, God forbid a young lady try to disfigure herself or make herself look like something she's not and try to catch a man's attention. They primp, prop, pump, slide, move, shift, push up, push down. All these, all trying to get a young man to notice them. God forbid. A godly young lady does not do that. A godly young lady tries to cover herself up. That's for her husband. It's not a guessing game. It's for her husband. And yet we're in a day when perversion abounds. Why? Because perverts abound. I got in trouble one place for using the word pervert. And I said, well, all they are workers of perversion. And the Bible talks about their perversions and talks about them being perverse in their ways. Well, who does that? Perverts. So I think I can rightfully use that word, even though the word pervert itself is not in the Bible. Uh, it's, it's probably a softer word than unclean, or a man that has an unclean spirit, or uncleanness, because uncleanness denotes absolutely a, a degeneracy that has brought a man to a place where he has no control over himself. He's rife with filthiness, rife with godlessness, and those unclean spirits abound in people today. For it is a fire that consumeth to destruction. And would root out all mine increase. What is that? It's that adulterous man. He takes that fire into his bosom. He's brought it to himself. A man recently made a statement, and he said that that fire today is no longer in a man's bosom. It's fire in his hands. It's his cell phone. And he's, he's adulterous with his cell phone. He brings that fire into his hands. But when you take a woman into your bosom, you brought fire into your bosom. It's a reproach that's taken not away. Word of God tells us that. And people say, well, God can forgive adultery. Yes, he can, but the reproach he can't take away. Why? You're an adulterer. You've done the unthinkable. You've been heinous. You've been vile. You deserve to be judged. He says, for as a fire that consumed the destruction, it would root out all mine increase. If I had to despise the cause of my manservant and my maidservant when they contended with me, what then shall I do when God riseth up? And when he visiteth, what shall I answer him? Nobody considered God in this. 
Nobody considered God in this affair. Nobody considered God in this awfulness. Nobody considered God in their fornication. Nobody considered God in their adultery. Nobody considered God in their pornography. Nobody considered what God is going to say and what God is going to do. And listen, if I get upset my manservant, my maidservant contendeth with me, what in the world am I going to say when God cometh and contendeth with me? And by the way, there is a picture there, and I realize that Job is is, is speaking here, but there's a picture of what David, when Nathan came and contended with him, and Nathan the prophet spake at the oracles of God, and he told David, thou art the man, and David immediately went into repentance, because he knew he was the man. But how many people just, they don't consider God in it. They don't say, well, they got to contend with God over this and justify this with God. I've heard people say, well, we're planning on getting married. Well, what if you don't? How much more awful is it? It's awful as it is. Or they'll say, well, we're betrothed one to another. Well, why don't you go read the Bible and find out what Joseph did with a betrothed woman that was with a child? He didn't lay with her. He didn't fornicate with her. He was betrothed to her. And that man takes that woman unto himself and makes her his wife. Then he has a, a time that he can take her unto his body. But until that time, he doesn't touch her. It's good for a man not to touch a woman. All this huggy-feely stuff going on today, all this touchy stuff today. Everybody wants a hug. Everybody wants a feel. God forbid. We're in a generation today that they don't know any bounds. You go in these churches, they're sensual, they're perverse. You go in a huggy church where the men are hugging the women, especially the teenage girls, you're in a church that's filled with perversion, uncleanness, without fail, time and time again. Everybody touches everybody. Everybody loves. Listen, I mean, my wife talked about this many times. There's a time, a time of affection that is proper. There's times at a time of grief at a funeral. But listen, my friend, there is a way to hug someone out of affection. There's a way to hug someone out of compassion that you don't feel anything but a bony shoulder or maybe a bony ear. And my friend, you still better be careful of that because the ways of man are perverse enough. That man can feel a bony ear and it can trigger his flesh. And that's why it's good for a man not to touch a woman. You make that decision, you better do it properly. You better do it with wisdom. You better do it out of, the, out of the kindness of your heart and out of the lust of your flesh. And I'm preaching to myself as well as I'm preaching to you, my friend, because I'm a man, I'm frail, my body is frail, my flesh is frail, my flesh is so weak, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I do pray that God will take these lessons. God will take these things in the book of Job. Job's written them for our benefit. He's written them by the Holy Ghost. What are we going to do when God riseth up? What then shall I do when God riseth up, when he visiteth? What shall I answer him? Did not he that made me in the womb make him? Isn't that interesting? Did not he that made me in the womb make him? And did not one fashion us in the womb? What a wonderful thought. God fashioned us. God made us what we are. And then God gave us the ability to say no. God gave us the ability to control the lust of our flesh. God gave us the ability to reign over our flesh if we want to do that. But my friend, the only way you can do that consistently, I've learned the only way you can do that with any kind of joy and any kind of pleasure is you must know Jesus Christ. You must know the only begotten of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then you can rule over this flesh. You can put it into submission. You can flee from fornication. You don't have to be an adulterer. You don't have to be a fornicator. You don't have to be deceitful. You can be what God wants you to be. Hey, have a great day. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow to close out the week on the podcast. There's a lost soul who's tired of his sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. 
as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption calleth not. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.